0: welcome to the wisdom journey with Stephen Davey have you ever faced a particularly agonizing situation if so your response probably included prayer prayer is the appropriate response to every agonizing situation in life. But that doesn't mean that either the situation or prayer itself suddenly becomes easy. Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane demonstrates this. Stephen called this lesson, Going Through Gardens Called Gethsemane.
1: The most intense hours Any human has ever known is upon us now in our wisdom journey today. Jesus is spending his last hours preparing his heart for the cross. He's been preparing the disciples for their mission as apostles of the church, which is about to be created here in a few weeks. Now, when you chronologically combine all the gospel accounts, you learn that at the end of their time in the upper room, Jesus and the disciples sing a hymn. More than likely, the last of the five Passover psalms, which would be Psalm 118. Matthew's account in chapter 26 and verse 30 tells us, following that, they went out to the Mount of Olives. In other words, they leave the walled city of Jerusalem. They move eastward across the brook Kidron and up the mount. Now, by the way, this is the only time or the only place in the New Testament this brook is mentioned, Kidron means dark, from the verb Kadar. In Second Samuel chapter 15, David himself fled over this same brook from his rebellious son, Absalom, who wanted to take his life. And, and now Jesus, the son of David, is slipping across this same brook as Judas finalizes his plans to betray the king of Israel. Luke's gospel mentions the disciples are following Jesus, and they eventually arrive at a place called Gethsemane. Now, John, in his gospel account at chapter 18 and verse 1, calls it a, a garden, which may indicate a, an enclosed area. Since Gethsemane means oil press, there was more than likely an olive press located there in the garden. In fact, the press may have been inside a large cave there on the Mount of Olives, and even to this day, I've seen olive trees growing near a cave on that hillside. It's, of course, been renovated. That little cave's been turned into a chapel. I can remember contemplating these events in the Gospels when I had the opportunity to stand in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. Now, as we watch the Lord arrive at the garden, we're going to witness something that that is profoundly moving, and it's frankly rather mysterious. We we can't appreciate the struggle that's going to take place unless we understand that we're watching Jesus, the man— He's fully God, but he is fully, entirely man, and he's going to struggle in this garden just as you and I might struggle in our own garden of Gethsemane today. Here is the Son of Man, tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin, Hebrews 4.15 says. We're going to watch, we're going to learn, and we're going to worship and marvel at the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. I have read that before a war broke out in the last century, soldiers dug 40,000 graves in the desert sands. Now, they didn't dig these graves for enemy soldiers. They dug the graves for themselves. And those graves were testimonials to their willingness to die. Well, let me tell you, Jesus is effectively digging his own grave here in the garden, as it were, signifying his willingness to die. Now, if we go over to Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 tells us this, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that is James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Now, why these three disciples? Well, frankly, I believe the reason he takes them with him is not for protection or or really even for companionship, primarily, though their presence would be welcomed. I I think he wants them uh, here to learn. In fact, we're told later on that, that they keep falling asleep before nodding off to sleep they would certainly see and they would they would hear the Lord struggling with all that the cross would entail. And this will, I'm convinced, come back to their hearts and minds later on. He's teaching them. Here's how you handle Gethsemane. This is how you prepare for a cross of suffering. This is what you do when you're surrounded by sorrow, when you're overwhelmed by distress, and more than likely, beloved, your, your closest friends won't be able to understand your deepest feelings. Indeed, they 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 might fall asleep as you try to explain it while you agonize alone. Now, I want to point out two key words here that reveal the genuine struggle in the heart of Jesus, who is fully man. The first word here in verse 37 uh, is a phrase that tells us he began to be sorrowful, and that's the key word: sorrowful. That Im- that implies a shrinking away, a, a pulling back from trouble. Uh, it-, it cannot be escaped. Now, the second word is also here in verse thirty-seven, which tells us that he began to be troubled. Troubled means to be overwhelmed with distress. It can be translated surrounded by sorrow. Beloved, don't ever forget that Jesus is not an actor. He's not not playing here. He's not trying to feel the part. He's not trying to feel what a human being would feel at this moment. Yes, he's 100% divine, but he's also 100% Human. And he, he doesn't need to be told what human feelings are because he experiences them himself fully. Maybe you're wondering, though, why such agony? Is it because he knows he's been betrayed, sold by one of his friends for 30 pieces of silver, the, the price, by the way, in this day for an old slave? Is he troubled in knowing the eleven will desert him or that, that Peter's going to deny? Knowing him, or or that the nation of of Israel will reject him, is it the coming transfer onto him of the sin of the whole world? Is it the beating, the physical pain of the scourging that he's going uh, going to endure? Is, Is it the humiliation of being hung on a cross? Is it is it the loss of fellowship and intimacy with the Father? Well. The answer is yes. Yes to all of that. He's agonizing over all these things, and a million more we we don't even understand. He's going to be crushed for our iniquity. That Mark's gospel adds in chapter 14 and verse 34 and verse 35, And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. The words he fell on the ground and prayed are in the imperfect tense, and this indicates action in progress. If, if you'd been, been hanging on your wall that famous painting of Jesus praying in the garden, kneeling at a stone with his hands folded in prayer, well, Well, that's okay. He might have prayed that way at some other time, but not here, not this time. See, the verb tense tells us that he fell to the ground and and prayed, and then he got up and and he staggered a little further and fell down again and prayed, and he picked himself back up and he he, he staggered a few more steps and and fell down again and, and prayed. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7 adds that he did this with loud cries and tears. So picture your Savior here staggering, falling, crying, stumbling, collapsing, crying in agonizing prayer to his Father. Luke chapter 22 and verse 44 tells us that his agony was so intense that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The medical community has a word for it. It's called hematidriosis, the bursting of the capillaries underneath the surface of the skin, and the clotting blood mixes with the sweat of the person under under duress and emerges on the skin blood red. Frankly, we can't imagine that kind of pressure, that kind of pain, that kind of Sorrow. No wonder Luke tells us that the Father sent an angel from heaven to strengthen Jesus in the garden. We'll never experience the degree of agony Jesus endured here in the Garden of Gethsemane, but that doesn't mean your Gethsemane isn't agonizing. You often find yourself wrestling to bring your will alongside that of your heavenly fathers, don't you? You often struggle with the plan that God's laid out for you. You you agonize over things that can't be changed. You you weep, you cry, you you pray for strength to make it through the next moment, the next day. Beloved, Gethsemanes are the inevitable experiences of all who follow Jesus Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul uh, in, even invited it when he wrote of his desire that he might know him and the power of his resurrection, and that he might share his sufferings. Now, why would Paul welcome the sufferings of Christ? Well, he knew that Gethsemane experiences are are like a chisel in the hand of God to sculpt us into the image of his Son. Well, until our our journey sets sail again, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
0: I hope this time in God's Word deepened your appreciation for what Jesus experienced on your behalf, and I hope it better equipped you to face the agonizing situations in your own life. This is the Wisdom Journey. Stephen Davey is taking you through the entire Bible in three years. Today's lesson is called, Going Through Gardens Called Gethsemane. Stephen will continue through the Gospels and then the rest of God's Word in the days ahead. Learn more about Stephen and access his entire collection of biblically faithful resources at wisdomonline.org. Join us next time.